Catching sandpike in Wyoming may sound strange to those who know fishing in Wyoming, but change that name to Sauger, and you'll probably find a few more folks who now know what you're talking about. Interestingly, this fish, often confused with walleye, has a deep history in Wyoming, but many residents have never heard of it. That's going to change today as we talk with Wyoming Game and Fish Casper Region Fisheries biologist Nick Hoberg, who's currently working to reestablish Sauger to its native range in the North Platte River system, and importantly, how to tell the difference between Sauger and walleye, and where to fish for them in Wyoming. This is Get Outside with the Wyoming Game and Fish. It's our podcast where we'll talk about current issues and topics going on with Wyoming's wildlife so that hunters, anglers, and others who appreciate Wyoming's outdoors can get more insight into what makes Wyoming's wildlife and outdoors so special. I'm Ray Hageman. First off, a little bit about what you do for the department as a fisheries biologist in the Casper region. Thanks for having me, Ray. This is my first podcast. It's a thing that all the cool kids are doing these days, I guess, but hopefully I do it right. So my name is Nick Hoberg. I'm a Casper region fisheries biologist. I've been in this job for the last two years. And then prior to that, I worked for um, six years as a statewide kind of native fish research biologist on the statewide aquatic assessment crew. But for the last two years, I've been a a regional biologist here in Casper. Um, So myself, the other biologist, and our supervisor have like primary fisheries management duties on the Casper region. So for people that aren't familiar, that's basically Seminole Reservoir, and then the river and subsequent reservoirs downstream all the way to Nebraska. Pathfinder, Alcova, Glendo, and waters within that drainage as well. So uh, it's everything from sport fish monitoring and and management and native fish monitoring research and just really anything within the context of aquatic wildlife management within that chunk of the state. You've been involved with boosting sauger numbers in the state for some time. How'd you get involved with that? The Sauger reintroduction to the North Platte River started well before my time on in this crew. Um, you have to go back to even the mid 2000s when some of this, like the logistics were being moved around and planned out. So the Sauger are actually obtained through trades with other states because our hatchery system doesn't currently produce Sauger. And so a lot of those details were worked out long before I was here. And then the first Sauger reintroduced back to the North Platte River took place in 2017. And then um, they were stocked into the river every year through 2022. So for six years in a row, we've stocked Sauger into the North Platte River. And now for the next several years, we'll be evaluating the stocking and introduction to determine um, whether they have successfully taken in the system. And hopefully we'll start to see the the indications that they're naturally reproducing here soon. So my involvement, I guess, has been uh, beginning in early 2021. I've been sampling the river and Glendo Reservoir in particular to look for the presence of adult sauger, get an idea for where they are at different times of the year. And then I think here later in the podcast, we're going to talk a little bit more about the specific research that we've been doing the last two years, looking at movement 
in the river upstream of Glendo Reservoir. Sauger has a fair history in this state too. I was kind of surprised to learn that as a kid growing up in Douglas, there were Sauger in the North Platte River all through town, all the way to Glendo at least. Uh, is that right? Yeah. So just talking about the North Platte specifically, because Sauger are also native to other drainages on the, the eastern side of the continental divide in Wyoming. But in the in the North Platte specifically, they were found even upstream of Casper, like uh, kind of halfway between Casper and Alcova would have been the farthest upstream that we have record of them. And then they were native and and at least seasonally abundant all the way downstream through Wyoming into Nebraska, you know, down to the Missouri River even. So, so yeah, certainly Douglas, where you grew up, would have been in the heart of, of Sauger country, at least in at some times of the year, the Platte River behaved a lot differently historically than it does now, where it had a, you know, seasonal periods of high and low water, and those fish in Wyoming were almost certainly really migratory, so they wouldn't have spent all year, you know, from Casper to Douglas and downstream. They were probably here in the spring, early summer, and then moved back down. So yeah, they have, they were a, <clears throat> a native part of the fish community in the North Platte River, and and would have occupied the river from upstream of Casper all the way downstream into, into Nebraska and beyond. But you have some um, some material, I guess, that of soldiers back in the day at, at Fort Laramie talking about them, right? Yeah, super interesting stuff. So I became aware of a PhD dissertation that was completed in 2016 by uh, Sarah Wolf at the University of Arizona. Um, she looked through a bunch of records from the soldiers who were stationed at Fort Laramie, which is kind of near the town of Fort Laramie today, but near the confluence of the Platte River and the Laramie River. And those those soldiers in the mid to late 1800s, they often mentioned the fish in the river during that time, both as a, I'm sure, a source of entertainment, but also a source of protein for the, the people stationed there. Um, I'll just go through a couple excerpts from these journals where they say, fish are plenty and easily caught both in the Laramie and Platte rivers. They're mostly catfish and pike. And we know today that the soldiers and, and other people of that time had a lot of names for Sauger. They called them sand pike, walleye pike, pike, pickerel. So it's kind of interesting. Sometimes you have to decode the common or colloquial names that they used back then that we don't use anymore, but we know enough about the fish distributions and natural history to know what they were almost certainly talking about. Another quote says, a few miles above the post on the Platte River, just below the canyon and near Whalen's Ranch was a cataract in the river, which was a great fishing place. In season, I made frequent trips to this point, usually meeting with great success, taking from 25 to 100 pounds of walleye pike, weighing from one to five pounds each. Not a bad haul. Yeah, big haul. And then another one here, um, kind of, they list a bunch of interesting names for fish in the river here. They say, the Platte River is falling very fast. The boys have a saying here. Some of them are out every day with it fishing. We fish along near the shore. The water is too deep and swift out in the stream. There are several kinds of fish in the streams out here. We catch pickerel, catfish, buffalo, salmon, suckers, shovelheads, hickory shad, and several small fry. We caught one shovelhead two and a half feet in length. So 
obviously are they're talking there about sauger, catfish, buffalo salmon are probably some kind of a large sucker like a river carp sucker or a quillback. Shovelheads are definitely referring to shovelnose sturgeon, which are another species that are native to the drainage but have since been extirpated. It's kind of really cool to hear uh, what they were seeing and doing back in those days and, uh, you know, really makes People like me wish that you could go back in time and just look over their shoulders as they were doing that and see exactly what they saw. So what happened to them? Yeah, it's kind of a story that plays out a lot of times in North America and large rivers. So the North Platte in particular, we built Pathfinder Dam in the early 1900s and then a series of of dams through the early to mid 1900s that had a huge effect on the way the water quality and quantity was managed through the drainage. Not only that, we, for a lot of the 20th century, the North Platte River was just seasonally shut off in the wintertime, not allowing any water to flow downstream. And then, of course, we've had water quality issues through the years with oil spills and other other things that had caused extreme die-offs and really inhospitable conditions for fish. And a lot of these species, Sauger and and even especially sturgeon just rely on a, an intact and relatively natural flow regime. So a lot of their migrations are cued by changes in water temperature and changes in discharge where they know when to migrate based on what the river's doing. And then obviously the physical barriers in the stream with the reservoir dams that they can't migrate, all that kind of just converged to create a, a reality where those species just couldn't naturally produce anymore. For some species, they probably eked it out longer than others, but our records indicate that the last wild natural sauger that we, the game and fish department ever handled was in the 1940s near Casper. And uh, it was almost certainly very shortly after that, that they were gone for good until we brought them back. What's a fair characterization of the status of sauger in Wyoming now? So that, yeah, it's pretty variable by what, depending on what drainage you're talking about and what section of each drainage and being a a Casper biologist, I'm not most qualified person to talk about their status all over, but just looking at at it from a broader scale, they are considered a species of greatest conservation need in our current state wildlife action plan. So basically that just means we have a list of several species of all wildlife fish and reptiles and mammals and amphibians, birds. Uh, We have a list of all of species within all those groups that we have special, we have recognized a need to either learn more about their status or improve their status from its current condition. So sauger are one of those in the fish species in Wyoming, meaning that we know with certainty that their distribution is decreased from what it naturally was. Obviously, they're gone from the plat. Their distribution has changed a little bit in the wind and bighorn because of things like Yellowtail Dam and Boysen Dam. They don't quite occupy that system the way that they would have historically. And so I guess the the way to characterize their status is overall, in a lot of places, I, I think it's fair to say that they're pretty stable, like in the Powder River drainage. We know they move up and down from Montana and the powder is a, at least comparatively a really intact river, and they're still able to, to make those movements. 
And then within places like Yellowtail or Bighorn Lake and Boysen Reservoir, they have stable populations, or at least relatively stable. But they are a species that we're interested in improving the status of, and, and even especially in the North Platte where they were just completely gone. And we've recently been working to try to bring them back. One of the primary reasons why we wanted to do this program was to talk with folks that tell the difference between sauger and walleye. And I want to get into that in a second, but I want to talk a little bit about the work that you've been doing recently. Had a chance to tag along with you on a project last spring along the North Platte above Glendo Reservoir. Let's go into that a little bit. Explain that work and why that's that stretch between, say, Dave Johnston Power Plant up by you guys all the way down to Glendo. Is that because there's fewer obstructions? Initially, I think the idea was that we wanted to establish a population in the river, both for establishing a, a fishery, but also it's one of the more intact reaches of river that we still have in the North Platte in the Casper region. You know, once you go downstream of Glendo and Guernsey, the river is a lot more modified and probably not as suitable for establishing a migratory species like sauger. So we've introduced our the sauger in the North Platte uh, near Dave Johnston Power Plant just downstream and found, for the most part, we believe they've mostly gone downstream and established in Glendo Reservoir, but then also make seasonal movement up into the North Platte River upstream of Glendo. So I don't know if you want to get into the telemetry portion of that now about uh, what we're looking at in that reach of the river or we'll save that for a bit. Yeah, let's get into it now. I think there's, you know, it's kind of cool. We put transmitters and fish there. Yeah, exactly. So between Dave Johnston Power Plant and Glendo, you can imagine you've got everything going down through Douglas and then on downriver through like Orin and all the way to Glendo. Uh, we know that Sauger want to use at least some of that section of river in the spring. So the one thing that's been on our list of tasks to explore is whether fish can or when they can, under what conditions can they pass over the Orin Weir. So near the old kind of town of Orin, I guess if you call it a town, there was there's a cement weir in the river that is used at, for a gauging station there to monitor stream flow. And so it's basically like a, a low head dam looking structure and our ability to understand whether the fish have can migrate upstream of that weir gives us a better sense of if their population could be improved further by, by improving their ability to pass the weir or if they're already able to, you know, just getting a better idea of how fish are using the river. So. Starting last year, we put radio transmitters in 27 Sauger within the, the river just upstream of Glendo and uh, tractor movements through the, the spring and summer last year. And we'll put about that many more transmitters out this spring. And so we'll have over 50 observations of, of tagged Sauger movement um, and hopefully get a better idea, not only for whether they can pass the weir, but, you know, the ones that do go over the weir, how far up do they go? How long do they stay? What kind of cues or water temperature flow conditions are associated with those movements and just give us a, a better picture of uh, the overall way that they use the river. How far up are the ones that have already crossed the weir? How far have they going? 
Well, that's something we, we haven't quite nailed down. So in 2022, out of those 27 Sager, most of them came all the way up to the weir. And then only two of them were confirmed passing upstream. And at that point, that was in early or mid-May. And so those fish were the ones that we handled. Many of them were staging to spawn. And at that point, the river was still too low that we couldn't launch our boat onto the river upstream of the weir to go find where they actually went, um, which is really unfortunate. And I'm hoping for better conditions this spring. But what we did learn is, you know, they were up, those two fish were upstream of the weir for not a long time, about 10 days, if I remember. And then they went back down. And what was really encouraging and interesting was we handled several fish while we were tagging that were gravid and had viable eggs. So I think we can safely say that the first year or two of those sauger that were stocked in the river are now old enough. So they'd be about age four, four years old. Um, they'd be, they're reaching maturity. And so I'm hoping that they're successfully spawning. And in the next year or two, we'll start seeing, you know, proof that they've reproduced on their own in the system. So two of those fish went above the weir and then went back. What were they, what do you suppose they were there looking for? Yeah, it's hard to say exactly. I mean, obviously it it uh, aligns with the time that we know sexually mature and ripe fish were in the river. So what I would like to think happened is they went up above the the weir, found a place they really liked for spawning habitat, spawned and then moved back down river. Um, obviously without more information, I can't definitively say that that's what they did. But the timing works out or, you know, makes sense that that could be what happened. And then also the fact they weren't there long, very long makes sense that they, they could have spawned and left. That would make a lot of sense for the way a lot of migratory spawning fish operate. So I'm hopeful that that's the case. We doing any other research work with Sauger elsewhere mm -hmm. in Wyoming? There's been a fair bit of work and I'm, again, I hope I don't exceed my depth because I don't. I don't have intimate knowledge of everything going on in the state, but um, I know there's been a similar telemetry project happening in the Powder River, and which is the Sheridan region for the last two years. So they tagged fish like in the Powder River and Clear Creek, and then looked at movement between tributaries, and then also working cooperatively with the state of Montana, who also has telemetry work going on they were able to look at movement all the way down the Powder River into Montana and into the Yellowstone, actually. So that's that was in the Sheridan region. In the Lander region, they've done a lot of genetic work and like in the vicinity of the Papoja Rivers and the Wind River, looking at whether they are hybridizing with walleye, which is a thing that can happen. And I guess, yeah, I'm sure there's more more stuff going on, but I, I hate to step on people's toes that know more about it than I do. But those are just a glance at things that I've heard about. Well, you gave me a good segue, though. Uh, my guess is that some people who uh, fish regularly on waters where sauger are in the state are known to have at one time or another likely caught a sauger, but probably mistook it for a walleye. And so let's get into the yeah. one of the primary reasons why we're doing this is to talk with folks about uh, how they can recognize the differences. Is there a real easy way to see, to attest the two? Yeah, yeah, we do get that feedback and it's become, it's been especially uh, a common 
piece of feedback that we've gotten in Glendo where the, the sagar are new and people for generations have caught walleye and you know it's easy to just assume that they're catching another walleye but it's a fairly understandable mistake i mean they they're extremely closely related to each other they're in the same genus actually just different species within the genus you know if you looked at a at just a silhouette picture of the two they're just about identical the really the diagnostic differences between them are all based on coloration so when you look at the spiny dorsal fin on either one, the sauger just have a series of rows of little dark brown or black spots on that dorsal fin. They're pretty noticeable when they're when you're holding a sauger. And then their their whole body is generally covered with dark blotches of brown, almost like a dairy cow or something pattern. And then whereas a walleye is generally more green throughout its body. Um, it can have a little bit of pattern patterning, but uh, it's a more of a green-based pattern, where a sauger is more of a brown-based pattern. And then finally, the uh, walleye have a really large white tip on their lower tail fin or caudal fin, uh, where sauger can just have a little sliver of white on their lower caudal fin. And then on that same spiny dorsal fin on a walleye, there's a a really dark triangle of black on the very back, you know, bottom corner of that fin that sauger don't have. And we've got, I've got a ton of pictures from, you know, recent collections that like we can put up or share some way if people, you know, would benefit from seeing that. It is pretty, it's pretty clear when you see them side by side, obviously you don't usually get to see them side by side when you're fishing, but hopefully people can be cognizant. If you're in doubt, we have pictures in the fishing regulations. Obviously there's pictures all over the internet that show the difference. And it's really important to remember or to think about because, because there are species of greatest conservation need, we have a more restrictive harvest limit on them throughout the whole state. So generally, or actually everywhere, you can catch more walleye than you can sauger. And so it's important to be aware of the differences and make sure that you're only catching two sauger because the statewide regulation is two sauger where it's more than that for walleye. Any other differences between sauger and walleye? Those are the main ones. I mean, everything else is really nitpicky. So it's color-based and I mean, this isn't anything you would ever be able to pick up on as an angler, but sauger tend to be slimmer, I think, than walleye. Walleye tend to get chunkier, but that's very subjective and something you probably don't pick up on, you know, when you're handling it a couple here and there fishing versus, you know, electro fishing or something. But um, really, it's all based on that coloration. And when you look at a fish, like I, I just think it's simple to say the fundamental color of a sauger is brown like the background is kind of tan brown the blotching is dark brown whereas a walleye the fundamental like color palette of them is green everything is a green background with darker green blotching it's kind of a green versus brown thing from what i what the way i look at it i saw the state record uh sauger is seven and a half pounds caught out of voice and is that <laughs> is that a big fish for sauger I think so. It's certainly in Wyoming. I don't know what like the world record or anything like that is. I'm sure it's bigger, but that's a big fish. That would be even quite big for a walleye. But you know, generally 
Sager don't get as big on the top end as walleye in a lot of places. But no, a seven pound plus Sager is, it's obviously big if it's a state record. <laughs> yeah. Folks who are looking for these fish to catch some, I know we kind of talked a little bit about it earlier. Some of the more popular places in the state for Sager? Yeah, certainly the three most popular places to catch them in Wyoming are Boyson Reservoir, Bighorn Lake, and now Glendo. And I think proportionally, Bighorn Lake certainly has more sauger than it does walleye. I'm not really sure what the split in Boyson is. It might be kind of an even mix in Boyson, but I again, I'm not an authority on Boyson. But And then in Glendo, uh, we still have a, a huge majority of our Sauger walleye ratio is much more weighted toward walleye. The sauger are a minority still at this point. So in terms of like the probability of whatever fish you catch being a sauger, if you're fishing for walleye and sauger, Bighorn Lake is probably the where your odds are best. And then obviously the lower Bighorn River from Grable downstream to Lovell, the wind and and Papoja rivers upstream of Boyson. And then at some times of the year, there are places to catch them in like the Powder River drainage when they migrate up from Montana. Okay, one more time on the regulations. Yes, sauger are a statewide regulation to fish in, you know, daily bag and in possession, no length restrictions. So just two sauger. Thanks to our guest today, Wyoming Game and Fish Department, Casper Region Fisheries Biologist, Nick Hoberg. Music for this program is by Track Tribe. Get Outside with the Wyoming Game and Fish is a production of the Wyoming Game and Fish Department produced in Cheyenne, Wyoming. Thanks for listening.